Hey guys, welcome to the Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast. Um, I'm Alex Whiteley and the Biscuiteer joining me today is Max. How are you? Hello, doing? very, very good, thank you. Yeah, quite a full day of it today, haven't we? Absolutely. Got, yeah, I'm enjoying this. Yes. I just released a, a YouTube, uh, YouTube video, video thing just explaining that. I always complain that I'm busy, I'm doing too much, but I, in essence, I'm in my element, you know, speaking to so many different people. And uh, today we, we bring to you someone I found fascinating, introduced to me by Dean Harris, who's the High Sheriff. Uh, Phil Giddens, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Alex and Max, for the invitation. Looking forward to uh, having a conversation with you all. Yeah, it's, it's going to be really good talking to you because, first of all, can, we, can you explain to our listeners what it is you do and uh, what we're going to be talking about today? Because uh, it's, it is an interesting subject. It's an, a subject that has... Um, <laughs> Well, we, the way the way you described it earlier, Max, was it's, it has a danger of um, it can be mis- misinterpreted, right? Yes. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. explain to people what you do. Yeah. Okay. So thanks for standing off a nice, easy question there, Alex. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what do I do? That's. I mean, it depends what day of the week we're talking about because I wear various hats, right? But I think the reason for being here today is to talk about a new initiative that we're looking to bring to Shropshire, um, which focuses on training young people and professionals working with them to be peace builders. Okay, so when, and this might be linked to, um, you know, the confusion around, well, what does that involve? What's peace building all about, right? Because people tend to think of... um, kind of piecework happening out there in other countries. So if you look at the UK government, they spend a lot of money sending to other countries to train them around peace building initiatives, to train them around how to reduce violence, to train them around and support them around conflict and things like this. So millions and millions and millions and millions of pounds go into international development and peace building projects out there. So then you might raise the question, well, why is it of interest, you know, here in the UK? Why should it be of interest? Well, I think there's many different reasons for that, and we can obviously explore them a little bit here. But if we start from the idea that every single person on the planet, bar none, experiences conflict. Absolutely. Mm. We were just talking about, just set ourselves up for the interview. Me and Max were just talking about what what we're going to talk about in this interview. And I think now more than ever, we need people like yourselves, because... There is a lot of conflict out there, isn't there? Uh, whether it's social media about politics, whether it's something to do with the COVID-19, whether it's to do with uh, conspiracy theories, Black Lives Matter, whatever's going on at the moment. There's just, it's just raw just uh, argue, arguments and, and uh, opinions and uh, sometimes can get very heated and sometimes a very toxic place to be, right? Exactly. So you're right. Yes, conflict is everywhere. And the important thing, though, is to remember that conflict doesn't always have to be violent. Mm-hmm. Right. So these are things that people learn on peace building courses. And what we're going to be introducing to Shropshire is that uh, conflict is part of everyday life, but violent conflict doesn't need to be. So you can have conflict with yourself. You can have conflict with other people in communities. You can have co- conflict with other countries and you can also have conflict against the environment as well. OK, so the issue is, is not that conflict takes place. The challenge and opportunity is how do we transform the conflict that always takes place so that we resolve the conflict or or, or transform the conflict so that it doesn't take place through violent means. Mm. So when we look at violent conflict around the world, okay, 
violent conflict diverts attention from all other sustainable development goals. So the, the UN has the sustainable development goals, and there's 17 of them. And um, it basically saying that every single country around the planet, every single community on the planet needs to be working towards the 17 sustainable development goals. So there's 17 of them ranging from kind of education, sanitation, environment, mental health and things like this. Number 16 is peace. So number 16 is a new one. So the sustainable development goals are the goals from 2015 to 2030. Okay, so all schools, all universities, everybody should be kind of educating people around these issues. Their predecessor is something called the Millennium Development Goals, which were from 2000 to 2015. And there was only eight of them that time. And the UN, the World Bank, and all these big organizations did a, a, some research to find out, well, how have all countries done, you know, over these years with regards to these eight goals that the, every country is working on? And they actually found and they concluded from massive research that what the main reason why most countries were not achieving their targets with regards to education, were not achieving their targets with regards to sanitation, were not achieving their targets with regards to health, is because there's violent conflict in these countries. And when there's violent conflict, the attention goes to stopping that violent conflict and doesn't go towards more productive activities such as education, basic, you know, health and things like this. So... The new Sustainable Development Goals have, have um, a Sustainable Development Goal 16, which is just, inclusive, and peaceful societies. But what they're saying, it's just a standalone goal, so there's 17 altogether, but it's number 16. But the General Secretary himself and the UN say, and this is really, really important, there can be no sustainable development without peace. There can be no peace without sustainable development. So if we want to make progress on all the other development goals that we're interested in that you, that you just mentioned there, you know, around kind of social justice, around climate change, around mental health and things like this, we have to be working on peace. Mm -hmm. um, what do we mean by peace? Because uh, obviously the, 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 there is the, when, when I think of peace, I think of not at war, okay? But at the same time, there is a lot of what you, see, what you call conflict. I mean, when I think of violent conflict, I mean, a lot of what's going on in America, the protests, the police versus the people, you know, all these kind of things. But at the same time, um, social, well, social media bullying uh, over somebody that's uh, uh, gay or someone that's got mental health issues or someone that's because of their skin colour. When we talk about peace, is that an umbrella term for all of that? Uh, again, you're giving me some good, really good questions here. <laughs> what I do, baby, what this I do. is very, very good. And, and, and overall, there's no one definition of peace. Why is that? Well, because every human being is different, because we all have our own different understandings of what peace is, right? Peace for you, Alex, peace for you, Matt, will be different, you know, to, to what I think peace is. And at the same time, a couple of things we're saying. One is that as an academic um, study or a discipline, peace studies believe it or not, has been going since about the 1950s. So all around the world, there's more than 400 university programs called, in the broadest terms, peace and conflict studies or, or, or um, conflict analysis or things like this. For example, I did my doctorate and it was called a PhD in international conflict analysis. So there is these programs, but they're mostly at the university level. Okay, so there's one thing. 
So with regards to the question of what is peace, Mm -hmm. there is someone who's known as kind of the founder of what we call this field of peace studies, and his name is Johan Galton, and I think he must be into his 90s now, and he's still very active, (laughs) okay? And he come up with this term, and it's quite a tricky term to get your head around, but something called negative peace and positive peace. So I think of this term, negative peace, as um, necessary but not sufficient. So it's necessary to stop war. It's necessary to stop violence, okay? However, it not, it's not sufficient. So if you and I, let's break it down so that people, you know, can I'll try and give an example. So if you and I are in a playground or you and I are in a pub or something like this, right? And we're not fighting physically or we're not calling each other names, you know? So no physical violence or no psychological violence. It's a debate. It's a debate. Yeah, it's a discussion and things like this. So this is a form of negative violence, okay? So negative violence. It's important for us to stop that negative violence, okay? But that doesn't mean that we're friends. That doesn't mean that we have good relationships. That doesn't mean that there's harmony between us, okay? So when we think of um, the peace-building field, we think of both, uh, and this links again to your question of peace, what is, what is peace? Well, one way of thinking about it is negative peace and positive peace. So negative peace is about stopping the violence, is about stopping the direct violence, is about stopping the psychological violence, where positive peace is about kind of harmonious, um, healthy relationships and things like this. So you have to work on both. The absence of violence and the presence of social conditions, relationships, okay, that bring about more peaceful change for all. There's one response, but there's no overall answer as to what is peace. And in fact, actually, um, through studying this quite a lot, there's a lot of the literature, literature that says... We know what violence is. We know what conflict is. Peace, in a way, is still kind of a mystery and something we're searching for. On that topic, I have quite a controversial thing to ask. If everybody's idea of peace is different and peace isn't a definable, a definable thing, is it even an attainable, an attainable goal? It's a very good question. Yeah, I love loving these questions. Guys, they're brilliant. They're brilliant. Um, it's so Gandhi. Gandhi once said, "Big fan, big fan, big fan." Yeah, good girl, Gandhi. Um, he once said. Um, there is there is no path to peace peace is the path and what he means by that is peace in in my own interpretation is both a means and an end i think it's an end in terms of every single person on the planet should be reaching for their own version of peace okay but the thing is if we look at hitler but the thing is if we look at you know colombia and you know who's in charge in bolivia and other places that i've worked and things like this it could be argued that every single person wants peace on the planet. Hitler wanted peace on the planet, but Hitler wanted peace in his own terms. Yes. Okay, so here comes the challenge. How do we bring about peace in a way that is, going back to Gandhi as well, kind of truthful and fair mm-hmm. to all involved? So linking as well back to Alex, Alex's question before, what is peace? There's people that talk about it, and I spoke about it also in my research and things like this. Maybe we shouldn't just be searching for one peace. Maybe we should be searching for many pieces. And when we look at what peace programming should look like, um, you know, let's think about training young people, training communities, youth workers. My work that I've done in Colombia or, or other South American countries or South Sudan would look different to what it would look like in Shropshire. And we can talk about that, what, what the difference be. But that's another great question. Thank you for that good question. What was, what's the, what was the turning point in Colombia when it came to... Um 
uh, everybody down in arms and sort of uh, trying to talk about the differences. I mean, this war raged for 75 years, something crazy like that. It was a really long war, civil war that the world just didn't seem to know about, unless you're from Colombia, mm. you know. And it, it was what they just couldn't, um, they, they, they couldn't uh, agree with one another. So the war went on for so long. What, where was the turning point with that? There's no one turning point, and like this is in most things with regards to the peace process, and I'll put it out there in no way can I class myself as an expert on Colombia. No, People no, no. from <laughs> Colombia are the experts okay. on Colombia, right? So here's here's what I would say from from studying and working in in many different countries and looking at what it takes to bring about peace in different places is that the role of civil society, that's you and I, is really really important. So in the past, when you look at the United Nations, their mandate and they were set up to, and this is their mission. To stop the scourge of war, you know, to save future generations from the scourge of war. But in the past, when the United Nations was set up, it was this idea of kind of governments um, have this mission of making their citizens more peaceful and protecting people and things like this. Things have changed now. So that's that's in a way looking at top down. So the government will, you know, decide what peace should look like and things like this. That's really changed now. Um there's now a better understanding that it should come from the bottom up. So that's people like you and I should be working for peace. With grassroots level, right? Grassroots yes. level, exactly. So that's, that's the language that we'd use. So grassroots level, bottom up. And then there's the middle level, which would be things like um, universities or, or think tanks and things like this, and the government. Every single level has a role to play in bringing about peace. So while the governments might be, and governments and FARC, and, and it's much more complicated than the government and FARC, by the way. There's mm. lots more things yes, going course, on. Yeah, um, while they were having discussions for many years, it's nev- no, no uh, peace agreement's ever going to be sustainable unless you involve most of the community, sure. most of the civil society. So I think one of the breakthroughs would have been getting more people involved. And actually another kind of universal truth that we're finding that most countries in the world are more peaceful when women are in leadership positions or women are in in kind of decision-making and influencing, Mm -hmm. um, you know, what's going on. So that is another important factor. Um, The peace agreement, I can tell you now in terms of most other peace agreements around the world, is really well known for being inclusive Mm -hmm. and and including different actors in, in this work. So there's some ideas, but it's definitely not the overall kind of answer. There's many different perspectives. I, I mean, the reason why I brought it up, um, I mean, apart from the fact we had uh, we had Gwen Burney to, who did a, a talk, um, who's Darwin's great, great, great granddaughter. Uh, she's done a lot of work over in Colombia with the FARC, and she did a talk at the Unitarian Church a couple of years ago. And we recorded that. We streamed it across the world, and people really enjoyed hearing her talk. Uh, but the reason why I ask is because that is one of those burning conflicts that's happened for so long. And how do you solve a problem like that? You know, not necessarily about Colombia, but about that kind of situation. I mean, there's stuff going on in Syria now that I hope doesn't, but could go on for decades i mean it's it's how do you solve a problem like that you know it's yeah well i say yeah it's an ongoing another another great question Uh, i mean another way of looking at it is that you're never going to solve the conflict so let me just explain that okay because conflict's part of everyday life there's always going to be conflicts right so the best that you can do is kind of manage it or transform the situation in the sense that okay when the next conflict comes up we'll be in a better position to kind of you know mm. transform that conflict so there's different ways of looking at and these are different theories of you know and in oh, some ways you can use the conflict to kind of better your technological advances better society like a model 
Well, that is it. That's a really good point because when people people conflate or get this this idea of conflict and violence being the same thing, they're mm-hmm. not the same mm-hmm. thing, right? Mm-hmm. So I've lived for more than five years on the ground in South America. I'm telling you now, they need conflict. They tell they've told me <laughs> we need conflict, but we don't need violent conflict. We need conflict because we've had dictators in place for many sure. many years. Without having our conflict, then it would still remain the status quo. So there's a great saying. It links to what you just said, which is really good. We use conflict as a motor of change to bring about positive change. So don't think about conflict as a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Conflict is. The most important thing is how you learn to deal with that. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, and this will link to kind of the, you know, the in- initiative we're looking to make available to Shropshire. When we all want to do something, let's say, for example, a vocation in life, right? We want to become an engineer or we want to become someone who does a studio and does podcasts and (laughs) things like that. Yeah. Or we want to become a musician or we want to, I don't know, teach in a university. What do we do? We learn the skills. We study. You know, we spend loads and loads of times preparing to develop these skills. Yeah. The same or let's think of a basketball player, a footballer. What do they do? They spend hours and hours and hours Absolutely. training, you know, researching. Here's the issue. Young people and generally people in general are not learning peace building skills. So if they're not learning them, then when they have these inevitable conflicts that happen in their life, they're not going to know how to respond to a conflict instead, you know, uh, constructively. So they're going to hit people or they're going to self-harm. Or That's absolutely gonna... how I used to react in my teenage years. The first thing I would do if something didn't, didn't agree with somebody would just be to punch. I wouldn't think. I wouldn't, you know, I'd yeah, just, yeah. just punch and yeah. it's terrible. Yeah, exactly. And well, Worst I, way to deal with things. I, I, I thank you for kind of sharing that honestly me too I mean I'm standing here and I've been fortunate to do many things I left school with no qualifications I left school I was dyslexic I was uh, I'll share this now with you I I was asked to kind of leave school a few times I can relate because of because of I used to get into things like that as well because I didn't have the skills because I didn't know Mm. how to respond Mm. to these conflicts better but I feel like it's the internal conflicts that we must deal with ourselves to then better our character right yeah well if you think of violence being kind of Violence is one, if not the biggest killer of young men on the planet, wow. right? And a lot of the reason for that is because of self-harm mm-hmm. and because violence, you know, inflicting on, on oneself. So people need the skills. People need the support to kind of deal with these issues that, you know, that affect them. So, and if they, if they don't, then, yeah, the, the issues are going to get worse in themselves and they're going to do something to themselves, potentially violent, or they're going to do you know, violence outside to other people. Sure. One thing you speak about, Phil, on, a, on another podcast I've listened to where you feature, um, was putting knowledge into action. And I, um, so a lot of what you're going to do in Shropshire, I believe, is going to be centered around that, right? That's the idea. Is this a good chance, a good opportunity to kind of introduce the idea of Absolutely. what we're looking to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so what, and, and in order to, to do that, it might be interesting thinking about, well, where did this idea come from, right? So I, as I've mentioned, I've been living abroad in many different countries, doing this work in many different places, right? And I come back to um, Oz Street, Shropshire. So I'm a local lad. I come back recently. And then many of my youth work colleagues, I used to work for the Shropshire County Council. I mean, I did my degree and, and diplomas in, in youth and community work and, and therapy. I come back and met up with loads of my um, wonderful, wonderful, so if they're listening, shout out, youth worker buddies uh, across Shropshire. And they said, that is so cool what you've been doing. Mm. You know, you should do that here. And I, and I say, thinking, 
I'm not too sure kind of Shropshire's kind of Colombia or Bolivia or Argentina or South Sudan or Turkey and mm-hmm. things like this, you know, or the other places I've lived and worked and things like this. But then I started listening to people more. And then I said, being the person that I am, I started looking into it, researching, increasing um, levels of violence, increasing concerns around county lines, increasing worries around mental health. You know, the situation's getting worse, it seems. With these increasing issues is a decrease in youth service support, is a decrease, you know, in, in the provisions that are, that are there to kind of help young people with these issues. So I... It's a great observation, man. I can, yeah, totally relate to it and I can see it. I, I, I mean, I, I, first and foremost, I care about where I'm from. Yes. So I'm doing it first and foremost from the heart, not from the head of doing this, you know, all this work out there. I care and I'm concerned. So, so I started and I did a community assessment. I, I met Shropshire County Council. I met the mayor. I met town councillors. I met um, heads of youth service and things like this around Shropshire. And they, you know, basically said, yeah, there definitely isn't anything like that around here, you know, and there definitely is a need for it. So I made the decision, rather than going to London to take up a leadership role in an NGO in London, to stay around Shropshire, you know, to, because I want to try and contribute to making a difference. No one can do everything. So we're here as a collaboration, and it's a shout out to work in collaboration with other people. So the organization that we're looking at developing, and, and it's been set up now as a community interest company, is called Generations for Change. And I'll say a little bit about what does that mean. Generations means that present generation, future generation. Generation means children, young people, older generations, all need to learn the skills of positive change making, and that includes mm. peace building. And then they can start having those conversations in the home. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's the idea. So although we start with children and young people, we must include other people. And I'll say something quite controversial here. I think actually sometimes the adults can be more of the problem than actually part of the solution <laughs> in a sense that if you've got your children and your young people looking up to the adults who, let's say, perhaps are not working or, or, or uh, you know, are causing violence themselves or, or, you know, um, having these issues. And this is no way a judgment. So people listening, it's no way a judgment to you because it's the same for me. I did not learn those skills either from growing up in Shropshire. So part of the work needs to look at training professionals and adults working with young people as well about how to support them to become peace builders, about how to support them to become positive change makers. So then one question you might have, well, okay, sounds good. Then going back to your question, that's a great question. How do you put this knowledge into action? What does it look like? So the organization will have a focus on a core mission, helping more people to become more effective change makers. That's it. More people to become more effective change makers with a focus on three things and three, three areas of change making which are really, really important right now. Peace, because of the, the reasons that we've discussed. Mental health, very, very big issue. Well-being. Um, I'm a therapist, so I should really work in that area as well. And the final one, climate change. Massive, massive, massive interest around the world around climate change mm-hmm. I mean, and fair play to young people around the world they're really stepping up with regards to climate change you know, I've, I've done a couple of shows where we talked about uh, intergenerational um, uh, conflict there you go intergenerational conflict and we're talking about um, uh, generation um, what uh, the latest one generation Z uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, a lot of care about the their environment you know that, that seems to be a big thing um, 
I think it's something beautiful where this world has been almost torn apart, all these chemicals put in the air, the plastics in the ocean, and it's the, the young mind that want that to be fixed, you know? It's, it's just, yeah. Yeah, well, climate change is a massive thing because without the planet, the, 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 probably the fact is, is the planet will keep going. We won't, right? Mm. So we need to work on the planet in order for us to have, you know, to, to continue. But here's some things which, um, and with my other hat on, because I work for an organization in the US, which uh, is called World Beyond War. So we, we're lucky that we work in and have membership 175 countries. So we're working all around the world, right? And we work with, and we've just done a course called War in the Environment. So it looks at the, the kind of interlinkages and the combination between war and the environment. Lots of people around the world, uh, Extinction Rebellion, shout out to them doing some amazing, amazing work. Not all understand how big a role war plays in climate change. So let me just give you one example. The biggest polluter on the whole planet, the U.S. military. (laughs) So people think that, okay, you know, we do a little bit in terms of plastic and stuff like this, you know, at home. Yes, it makes a difference. Yes, it makes a difference. In order to look at bigger change, we have to tackle the biggest thing that gets in the way of, you know, these issues, such as the military. How is it? Here's some other kind of statistics for you. How is it that we spend two trillion a year preparing for war or on war where estimates think that it would cost 30 billion to end starvation on the planet? Right. So put that in. So, and the thing is, I'll do shout out. US are very much to blame. Goosebumps from that. Exactly. Wow. So how is that the case that, you know, two trillion spent on that when it would cost 30 billion estimates, you know, to, to kind of end poverty and starvation? And the US are at least half to blame for this because they, they account for at least half of that two trillion. War is an industry, isn't it? We're just saying that mm. war is an industry that generates a lot of money uh, and a lot of, um, I mean, when you talk about uh, capitalism, communism, uh, countries of differing opinions uh, to yours that could that could sort of make people in, in your country think a bit differently. Uh, that's what that's what that's all about. It's not right. It's not right at all. Like you said, if you, we could learn how to how to um, solve these problems by talking about them, that's where that's where the future lies, right? Yeah, that's, that's what we'd like to see. To I mean, it's like uh, it's an industry, but it seems to be perpetuated by people who aren't educated in peace management, right? It is. It is an industry, and here's the other thing: is that, and yes, it does make money for some. There's research, and actually, I'll do a plug now. The, 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 my, the, the book that I've just edited called A Global Security System, An Alternative to War, get it right now on Amazon, <laughs> um, looks at uh, an analysis of, well, okay, people are saying, you know, war is, you know, economy and brings in money and things like this. It does for some, but overall, it's detrimental to the economy because of the reason we just said, you know, in terms of $2 trillion. It makes some people... Um, money and then you've got people who I know you know that are in in the military and say well it kind of pays my salary and things like this there's been um, comparative analysis done in terms of well if we spend this much um, on a soldier for example one piece of research says that it costs I think it was half a million to train a soldier right half a million wow Okay, where it would cost about 50,000 to train a peace worker. Mm-hmm. Okay, so and you might think, well, does, is this happening? Yes, there's peace workers in many, many different countries around the world that actually go in without their arms and go in and do what you're saying, Alex, in terms of facilitating this dialogue as well. Mm-hmm. 
Dialogue's important, but dialogue is not, it's, it's necessary, um, but it's not sufficient. So going back to your question earlier about this knowledge in action, people need, so, and, and I can link this to the focus of Generations for Change, if we can do that. I think in order to bring about positive change, we need work in three areas. One, we need research. So we need to find out what are some of the issues in our community? What are the things that people care about? You know, what are the gaps that exist, right? And then with that, you can think, okay, so how can we develop a strategy that responds to what people care about, that responds to the gaps, that gives people what they need? Not just, you know, what Phil thinks or what other people think. Let's listen to the people, right? So then the second, so first part, research, second part, education, so it trains them. It trains them to, you know, be peace builders. And what does that mean? Well, it, it trains them to understand different forms of conflict. It trains them to understand different forms of violence. It trains them in something called nonviolent communication, which is about um, how do we be in relationship? It sounds quite sensitive. Here. How do we be in relationship with ourselves and others in more compassionate, understanding, honest ways? And then the education would also train them to do their own projects. So when we look at, and this is a big concern I have with a lot of youth work, not just in Shropshire, but in, in many other places they've been. Most of the focus is on kind of looking at young people as problems to be solved rather than looking at them as potential solutions mm. to the problems, right? This is not just me. There was a massive, massive, massive There research. is something I heard, and I, I feel like I, it's important that I mention it. It's, we are not our problems, but we are the solution to our problems. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we are not the problems. We are the solutions to the problems, mm -hmm. or perhaps both. You know, we are, you know, both, both, both the, part of the problems and the solutions to the problems. So there was a, a um, in, in the context of peace and youth work, there was some research done recently by the United Nations, and it, it consulted over, I think, 4,000 young people from many, many different countries, more than 40, 45, and asked them about, you know, their concerns about violence, conflict, and peace, and things like this. The research found that this is the case. Far too many countries around the world are looking at young people as problems and not utilizing. Their, that doesn't surprise their, me. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. utilize untapped potential, right? They, exactly, and that's part of the language they use. So, young people are kind of untapped potential, and they're still going to keep being untapped potential unless we train them to be peace builders, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. So then, so here we go to this um, this uh, generation for change model. So research, education, and knowledge in action. So how do you do that? Well, what we do is that we support the young people to do their own projects in the area of peace, climate change, and mental health. Um, this is new. It's brand, 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 brand new for Shropshire, but it's not new for me. I've overseen about thirty of these in many different countries. Right. So it's it's tried and tested. Although it's very new for Shropshire, and I understand talking about peace, I put my hands up, it's very, 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 very new for Shropshire. So in order to do this, this is why very, very fortunate that, you know, I've reached out. So shout out, you know, to the high, high sheriff, um, Dean, Dean Harris. Harris yeah. Amazing support, you know, and really understands it, understands the need for this. Um, other people at Shropshire County Council, other people, I've got people writing to me from Telford, from, you know, from other schools are saying, can we do this next? We're starting off with one project. We've got the money um, thanks to a partnership. So it'll be Generations for Change working in collaboration with Austrian Town Council, Landau, who's a charity, um, and the Marcher School. So the Marcher School is the biggest 
Academy School across Shropshire who have shown wonderful leadership and basically said we'd love this to be brought to our school. So what we're doing is what we're calling a whole school inspired approach in the sense that over six months we'll be training, hopefully, all of the students and all of the teachers. There's over 1,200 students at the matches, and I think there's over 100 teachers as well. So this, we're in this process now of doing it. We're going to do some research in in um, October to find out what they should, what they what they want to learn, and then we'll divide, de, um, design the project, which will involve starting with the teachers actually, and it will train them. So shout out if people are interested, because it's not just for the teachers that matches. It's interest. It's for um, youth workers, social workers, so trained youth workers, social workers, police officers, professors, lecturers, etc. In other places, trains them in the basics of peace building, but then trains them to kind of support young people to be peace builders. Then in November. The teachers will then go and teach their own classes across the whole school. And then the idea is, at the end of November, there's something called Futures Futures Week, where the school have an opportunity to dedicate um, that week to a particular theme. And they're dedicating it this year to a culture of peace. In fact, actually, they're dedicating, and this is wonderful leadership from the marches, they're dedicating the whole semester to a culture of peace. So hats off to, you know, marches mm-hmm. for leadership. Um they're dedicating the whole semester to this culture of peace and this Futures Week to a culture of peace. And what we'll be doing is having two two-day workshops specifically for one for year nine and one for year 10, which takes them through a process of understanding what peace is, um, developing some skills to uh, resolve conflict, understand violence, and then envision or design their own peace projects or social action projects Mm -hmm. and again they decide what those projects will be focused on so we're in that process now it's quite exciting and i guess fundamentally it's just compassion within the community Uh, and it's important as well i mean i spoke to you on email uh, and and, and with dean harris as well like it's about time it is about time that we started teaching a bit of compassion and uh, and how not to how not to be horrible basically because uh, a lot of uh, there are people that are indoctrinated to, to, to lean a certain way, um, whether it's far right, whether it's to be anti, anti-gay, whether it's these social issues that you, you, we've been talking about. Um, so, you know, I'm very optimistic about this. I think you're going to do a great job. But at the same time, I feel like there's, there's a danger of you going through all this hard work and doing all these amazing things for these kids to go back and then just be, be you know, pushed back yeah. into that direction. My issue is video games. So they're going to learn all about peace management and all these wonderful things that you're going to teach them and how they can implement it in their lives, but then they're going to go home and play Call of Duty and shoot loads of people, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's the issue I have. Yeah. Um, okay, so we, we go into this not naive in the sense mm. that, oh, everyone's going to walk out of Gandhi, you know? <laughs> it's it, That's not the case. But if more people can, can walk out and, uh, you know, with this understanding that, yeah. oh, actually, I can, and again, Gandhi again, be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah. If people can walk out that. of the training, you know, in this, this, this sense of... When I've been talking to other youth workers as well and that work with lots of young people across the Shropshire, they've said, Phil, we just... 
need something new to inspire young people around mm, here. You're yes. not going to inspire all of them, but you might get some of them. And I'm not naive. I'm a youth worker. I understand how difficult it is, you yes. know, to, to, to work with young people. So we want to offer opportunities. Not everyone will take them up. I'm not saying everybody wants to be a professional peace builder. That's fine. But I think some of us can learn some skills to help us be compassionate in our relationships with other people. So when I was talking to the school about this at Marches, and they said, they didn't use the word compassion, but they used tolerance. And it kind of in a similar, mm. similar, you know, area. So how do we help young people or other people in general be more tolerant, you know, be, be more compassionate with other people? And again, I think there's something there about, you know, supporting them, capacity building to do that as well. So if we look at with this particular project in the marches, if we look at they'll actually go and do their projects and then the end, the, the end goal is to present their projects. Maybe we can come back with young people and talk about these projects. The, yeah, the, cool. the idea is to come back, um, is to do the projects, and then we present the projects to the community. So I just think of one that I did recently. I was in Argentina for six months. Um, they presented t- twice, actually, and there was 800 people at that event. You know, so you're talking the mayor of the whole um, district, the superintendent of the education system, etc. A wonderful opportunity for young people to step up and say, look, stop looking at me as a problem. Start supporting me and investing in me. Yeah. And I, when I say investing, I mean investing. There is not enough investment in terms of financial investment, but also human investment. Yeah, you know, in, time, in, right? Time in mm. terms of supporting young people to really have the best chance that they, they can of kind of fulfilling their potential, but fulfilling their potential More in a way. Realizing themselves. Realizing themselves and also in a way that kind of does something to the community as well. Because young people, they really, they care when you speak to them. You know, they're, they're concerned. They want to make a difference, but they don't know how. Yes. So let's yeah. give them some opportunities. And if this, if one of them is the peace building, what we're looking at, if another one is, you know, another service that anyone else is, is, is you know, offering, that's fine for me. I, I'm here because I care. I don't need to, to do this organization in Shropshire. I don't. I have a wonderful job, you know, with the organ- or the, the other organization that I, that I, that I lead their education department but i'm doing this because i first and foremost care and want to contribute something now we live we live in the world of um <laughs> unbridled narcissism <laughs> yeah when it comes to things like snapchat instagram yeah, yeah. um it's all about me it's all about me and my bubble i think the bubble is is a perfect example of mm. why people don't care about these things is because as long as they've got what they need it's absolutely fine um, how do you combat that how do you how do you take someone out of that bubble yeah, that's another guy. Yeah, some great questions here today. <laughs> it's what let, I do. Let, let, me, I do. <laughs> let me go back to, to, your, to your point earlier about um, also I can answer that question and go back to your point earlier, which I think was really good about Colombia. Not many people know about what's going on in Colombia and things yeah. like this. So, for example, when we look at, okay, so what if I say to you two, what is one of the most difficult things or the most tragic thing that has happened related to peace in the last... 20 years and for example there was a bit of an anniversary yesterday which might give you a bit of a clue what would you say 9-11 isn't it 9-11 today right? isn't it mm. it's 11th today yeah oh it's, it's, it's today it's okay today, there was me yeah. thinking yeah. okay <laughs> so um so 9-11 okay so terrible 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 and um, totally re- terrible how many people died there mm, any five and a half thousand wasn't it like i think it was about three i three. think okay three thousand right so let's think about other things that have happened in the, in the world, right? So if when we look at, let's say, World War II, 
Okay. And then if you ask, so, and I've done this, I've, I've worked with kind of students in university and things like this. So I've asked them how many people, you know, died in, in 9-11 and they generally know, you know, three to 5,000 and mm-hmm. things like this. And I'll say, okay, let's think about like World War Two, right? And the Soviet Union mm-hmm. and let's say the US, for example, because it was in the US at the time. How many people died in World War Two that were from the US? Generally, people, people say, I don't know, maybe 90,000 or something, right? <laughs> and then when you look at it, it was about three hundred and ninety thousand, for example. But then you ask them, okay, let's think about World War Two. How many people from the Soviet Union died, right? And then they'll say something like, I don't know, around about the same. And then wow. the research shows twenty-seven million. Yes. That was twenty-seven the, that was the gulag, million. Right? Was that in part due to the gulag? I, I mean, there's loads of different factors yeah. there, but. Think about that. Yeah. Think about that, you know, in terms of comparisons. Because, and then It's very then, much brushed under the carpet. Brushed under the carpet. And then, then the, the, the reason why I'm saying this is that to help kind of young people make sense of what does that mean? You know, 27 million people, I say, I say things like, okay, think about 9-11. But think about it happening every single day for 24 years. Mm. Yes. Exactly. So based on 9-11... Right, 3,000, gosh, I'm just thinking about that, like goosebumps, you know. After that happened, the U.S. went and invaded like two different countries based on that, right, for 3,000 people. Soviet Union, 20, you know, all these millions and millions of people. So the reason why I'm saying this is that I think you're right, people don't kind of look outside their bubble. Um, Part of that is... They, people do need to take some responsibility for that themselves, mm-hmm. but they also need to take and think, have a kind of a critical view on the media as well. Um, for example, we don't, we don't, we don't tend to get media that says, "Oh, by the way, you know, Alex and Max and Phil were peaceful today in Shropshire." You know, <laughs> no, they, totally. Yeah. You know, what they get is, you know, they, they this has happened in this country, and you know, we don't hear. Why don't we hear about the peace heroes? Mm. Why don't we, you know, start hearing more about the peace heroes than kind of? You it's know, a perfect point. segue into what I wanted to ask you as well. Is local newspapers not mentioning any names? Um, we'll we'll do that. They'll be like, "Oh, Extinction Rebellion have closed the bridge uh, uh, because," the, 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 and then and all you get is the. Yeah. certain demographic rough, or right. bet they drove there or what, what 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 magic carpet did they fly in and all these kind of questions that just it's just these the, the stories that are, are designed to just poke at people you know yes yes it's, well there's there's an actual field called peace journalism by the way which is kind of critiquing this kind of journalism that looks at all the bad things that only looks at one perspective and I think one of the best things we could do as youth workers or educators is, is to provide information and a platform where, let's say, young people make informed decisions. If they're just getting one view from the media, from a certain kind of newspaper, or from a certain kind of news channel, then it's like that's all they see, right? Mm. So what we need to do is provide young people, and all young people, kind of more information or different information or balanced information where they can make informed decisions. The thing is... I think we know in like no one's going to change anybody else. And this does relate to what we've kind of been talking about. It's mm. not up to us to change other people. So that's not your role as a youth worker or, or a human being to change other people. All you can do is kind of best be the best person you want to be for yourself and help people have more information so that they can make informed decisions mm-hmm. for themselves. Right. So this is where, the, you know, the issue from at the heart of my, my belief about youth work is, is that, um, it's about working with young people, 
you know, it's about them making decisions for themselves. It's about providing them with information for themselves. But it's also, it's also, you know, a chance for them to decide whether they want to kind of engage with that as well and say yes or no. Very much empowering young people. That's the idea. I mean, that's the idea. I mean, there's one way of saying, and I think that word empowering is interesting. One way of saying, you know, we empower young people, and I've seen this, I'm not the biggest fan of that. What I would say is we provide an environment where young people can become empowered. Sure. So a bit of a difference. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. You know, in the sense that we facilitate an environment. It's a more directed approach. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think what you're doing is very brave, especially with uh, today's current climate. You know, there's a, there is a lot of hate out there at the moment. Um, I, I, one of my most trusted peers and one of the people I respect the most is Simon Bell, local author who wrote, he's written lots about books about genocide and the rhetoric of hate. And, and he talks about the sort of rules when it comes to certain rhetorics um, and the, the demographic, the main demographics towards them. Uh, and when you, when you speak of a, a demographic that big that will lean right for certain reasons, it means that when you are training, when you are, you know, tra- educating these young people, you'll you'll be making, making a stamp on that demographic. You'll be making a difference, hopefully. Even if uh, the ratio is only a few will go on to learn to do this, you're still making a huge difference that will hopefully be passed on to the next generation, to the next generation. That's what we need to do, right? Yeah, I think so. What you say about making a difference, I think every single human being makes a difference. And I think this comes from, is it Jane Goodall, I think, says this? Something like... Um, we all make a difference, decide the difference you want to make. Mm. So whatever we do, we'll make a difference. You know, the question is whether we make a good difference or not. And <laughs> hopefully we can try and support more people to make a positive difference than, you know, a negative, um, you know, difference. Um, I'd love to kind of chat with your, your buddies, you know, Simon Bellet. And actually I can, if people are interested in this, in addition to the Generations for Change work that we're doing in, in Shropshire with my other hat on, and it, if people are interested in World War Two, we've got a course starting um, on the 5th of October and it's called um, Leaving World War Two Behind. Um, and it's actually looking at many people make an argument today and basically say, yes, but, you know, we need this war here and we need this war here because remember about Hitler and stuff like this. Right. So they make arguments. So this book is based on my executive director's book. Would you believe he wrote a book in two weeks? Wow. 18 chapters how crazy is that right so my task now is to go through the book and make it into a into a six-week course we've run we've run these six we've run three six-week courses this year one is called war abolition 101 war abolition 201 war in the environment all of the courses have had more than 130 people sign up from all around the world so you've got people from age 18 to 85 on the program amazing eh? and then people from kind of students right through to doctorates professors and then people from um, of course UK US but South Sudan Afghanistan Cameroon mm-hmm. Burundi Bolivia South Korea so we have a really good mix so if people are interested you know and thinking oh, I'd really like to know more about this you know one way is that they might you know be interested in signing up for the the course I would love to get you, uh, Simon Bell, and Ben Butler, who's doing great work in Telford as well with uh, New Generations Coaching, because he's atta- he's not attacking county lines. He's, he's he's trying to teach kids that there's more to life than county lines. That is actually a bad path to go down. And he was actually uh, an enforcer for county lines. He was part of it, um, and he learned the hard way. So he's trying to help young people avoid that 
you know, he's a fascinating chap. Yeah. Um, well, I'd, yeah, I'd love to have a chat with him. And this is part of my my kind of issues or interest, let's say, within new gen uh, generations for change is to look at young people in a different way. There's too much focus on county lines, and I'm not in no way saying it's not important. No. It is. But look at statistically, right? The the amount of people that go into county lines, you know, is just tiny percentage. Well, that it's not fair on all the other young people then, is yeah. it? If all the focus is going on young people, you know, in county lines, what about the young people that want to make a difference, you mm-hmm. know, and do something positive? So rather than just stopping county lines, which is necessary, but it's not sufficient, let's stop county lines and then let's then think about what, how we want young people to be or how we want to support young people. And this is very much what he's looking at because you stop county lines. Yeah, you say, say uh, county lines are stopped today. Something else will just pop up. Another re- another way to get drugs from one A to B. Um, and this is what I think Ben is looking at, very much like yourself, mm. is teaching people, do you know, why not just go to the gym uh, and, and mm. work on yourself and, and create a better... I feel like that comes back to role models. There's not enough role models and father figures in the world. Yeah. We really need it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, t- teaching them, yeah, role models to look at. Also, uh, teaching them to deal with the everyday conflict that comes mm. up. Teaching them to, or supporting them to be more resilient. That's one of the biggest skills that we should be teaching, sure. right? Look right now in terms of COVID, right? How how can people kind of respond to the everyday challenges that happen? You're right, you're right, Alex. Alex um, challenges will, will always come along. Every mm-hmm. single day yeah. that all come along, right? So what are you going to do? Oh, we need to stop these challenges. You can't. What you need to do is think, how can we be more resilient Embrace to the, the challenge, right? Embrace the yeah. challenge, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Dean Harris as well. Dean Harris, for me, is one of the biggest... Cha- You'll never find a bigger Dean, Dean Harris fan than me. I think she's amazing. <laughs> I think she teaches uh, young girls that they, a woman can go out there and be powerful and strong. Yes. You know, I said to Dean on the show, she could have gone into office as the high sheriff and gone, oh, this is a nice office. You know? Now what? Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to turn up at fancy events and wave at people. Mm. But she was like, no, I'm going to tackle domestic violence. I'm going to I'm going to tackle drug addiction. I'm going to try and make lives a bit better. And that's what she's done. And she is kicking butt. She really is. I mean, she introduced me to you. Uh, you know, so she's got her fingers on the pulse. Absolutely. Her fingers yeah. on the pulse. And she's, she's everywhere. She's like... You know, hi, Sheriff here today. Hi, Sheriff here. Fair play to her. She's getting out and about. So, yeah, yeah my hat yeah. goes off to her. That, that's that's what we need. That's what we need. You know, people that, that are that committed, care, but also as well, and this is important, so committed and care, but also know what they're doing as well. Yeah. Because we can have sometimes people that are really, really committed and that they care that, that don't have the skill set to kind of support this as well. Mm. So when we're looking at things, we need a mix of three. Commitment, you know, they care, and also they they have the capacity to kind of do something. And, and Dean, among many other wonderful people in Shropshire, there's many wonderful people doing wonderful things in Shropshire. On that we note... Need more. Absolutely. And on that note, Phil, you, you mentioned Jane Goodall as somebody who's uh, a speaker, perhaps. Is there, are there any other good speakers on YouTube people can go and listen to and get more empowered about uh, peace management? Um, yeah, definitely um, David Swanson um, from World Beyond War. You uh-huh. should check him out. Um, he's got a great podcast. Great, great podcast called Talk Nation. And we and he's had some wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people on that um, On that. Um PCDN is another one if people are interested in. Um, PCDN podcast, or a wonderful podcast of okay. looking at peace builders, social change makers. That sounds great. Um, yeah, yeah they'd be other people to check out um, if people are interested, but I'm not too sure how we can get in contact, but I, there'll be quite a lot of 
uh, talks being done on the 21st of September, which is the International Day of Peace. So I'm speaking at three, one in India, one in Bolivia, and the other one in Colombia so oh, far. Wow. So um, these are... These and how are, can people get involved with that and listen to them? And yeah, that's the thing. Um, we haven't got details yet because I need okay, to plan sure, them. But sure. um, Google. 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 Yeah. Google. If, pe- if people wanted... To, I mean, friend. can I put my email address if people wanted to kind of email? Absolutely. Is that, is yeah, that a yeah, good yeah, idea? Yeah. Um, so if people are interested, philg2007 at hotmail.co.uk. If people are interested. with two L's, right? Yeah. Phil with two L's. Yeah. Um, hotmail.co.uk. .co.uk, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I would yeah. love to get you back on. I, I want to find out what's going on um, with um, with Generations for Change and see how the progress, because um, I think it's really important what you're doing. And like I said, very brave in today's current climate because there aren't enough people doing this. Um, role models are important, like you said, Max. Mm. And um, well, I mean, what, what have you got in America? You've got Trump. He's just like, <laughs> I've got these problems. I'm going to slam my fist on the Megalomaniac. Uh, exactly, yeah. And... I'd hate to think that that's the way the world's going. You know, I'd hate mm. to think that. Mm. Um, and it's a minor hiccup, Al. It's going to change. Well, hopefully it's not a minor hiccup. It's going to last another four years. America's a mess. like that. <laughs> we, we, it'd be good if we could kind of support young people so that, that we now... So, for example, if I say to you two, right, who do you think of when I say to you, think of a peace role model? Who do you think of? Well, immediately it's like uh, Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela. I'm going to say, this is going to sound like Kevin Smith. <laughs> Kevin Smith. Yeah. Kevin Smith from Jay and Silent Bob, because he's a guy that I look up to, and he's always like, you can do it, kids. You can do it. Yeah, get a mic, get in front of it. Sure. You can do it. You, I, I, I believe in you. Uh, he smokes a bit of weed. He tells, tells a few fart jokes, but at the same time, he's peaceful with it. He's, he's inclusive with people. Uh, and if he sees his fans, he'll give him a hug. That's that's really daft, but that's my universe. Yeah, well, that's 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 great, and that's the same in terms of peace. You know, the the question, what is peace? You know, when when I do this with many different people, I ask them. You know, people come up with different role models they they have in mind. Some Nelson Mandela is a big one. Gandhi, Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. You know, and then some John people. John Lennon earlier as well. John, John Lennon. Lennon John Lennon. Yeah, people. Even often, to some extent, often, Malcolm X, right? To some Malcolm extent. X. Malcolm X is a really interesting yeah. one. And in fact, actually, I've used him a few times when people have asked me. And the reason for that is because... I'm surprised to hear you say that. I'm really glad. The reason why... And there's a real interesting, because I thought about this quite a lot, is that um, when you look at Gandhi, although there's, there is kind of some critiques about him in terms of family life, right? But generally, he kind of always followed this kind of peaceful path. One thing that really interests me is people that have the ability to stop and look at themselves and change right yeah so malcolm x did was violent you know he was violent completely but what he did later was turn the mirror inwards and change himself for the better that for me is even more impressive than someone just following the straight and narrow you know like i mean if i speak about myself for example i have not always been you know 100 percent peaceful you know um but I'm trying, and, and this is, when we, when we talk about um, a peace builder, it's not as if, okay, right, I've got the qualification now, I'm the peace builder. It's an everyday process every single day. So it's not about, it's about becoming a peace builder, mm. right? So every single day. So that's why I like Malcolm X. But in terms of the role models, wouldn't it be great if, often when I do this, not many people think of young people as Peace builder role models. Do you think that's because there's not enough humility within young people? 
I think because there isn't enough spoke about. It. I mean, you think of yeah. you know Malala, and then you've got Greta now, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of climate change and things like this, and then you've got Emma Gonzalez in the U.S. for around the gun violence issues. Why can't we have kind of a peace? Here's a challenge for people listening. Why don't we come up with our own peace builder role models from Shropshire who are young people? And why not? Absolutely. Why not? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm well up for that. Um, challenge yourself. Hmm. Challenge yourself. Um, if you, if you, uh, there was a, um, when, we, when, they, when they did the, the Black Lives Matter mm. protests, mm. we were there, weren't we, in, yes. in Shrewsbury. The young girl that was, I forget her name, and I do apologize because she was fantastic. I spoke to her and I was like, I'd love to get you on the show and talk about what you did today. Because she, she did this socially distanced Black Lives Matter protest in the quarry in Shrewsbury. Everyone was social distanced and people just got up and they spoke a few passionate words. No throwing of things, no like going crazy. And it was so moving. It was so passionate. But when I spoke to her, I said, you need to come on the biscuit when you talk about this. She's like, I don't think people will understand. I don't think I can, I'd say the wrong thing. I get it wrong. People won't understand. Mm-hmm. And that's the fear, isn't it? That you can't make a difference. Yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah, that's, thank you for sharing that because on one hand, that sounds amazing that she stepped up and she did that mm-hmm. as well. But then also the fact of, yeah, she's questioning herself as well. I think what I would say in terms of there's not one way to work for peace. Yes. You know, there's, there's different ways and some people will be kind of a front person and kind of be right at the, you know, right in, in the thicker things. And then some people will take a back, you know, um, how do you say, like, come to the back and a not back be seat, yeah. a back seat. That's yeah. it. Take like a back seat. So there's so many different ways that people can work for peace. So we shouldn't all just look at people in terms of I'm not loud enough or I'm not, you know, I'm not. This, it's absolutely this, so going to the same funnel though, isn't it? Ultimately. We're all That's working we for the remember. same thing. Yes. When you look at like successful teams, successful teams are built up of people that, that bring different skill sets, right? So that's the same in terms of peace building. You've got people who are kind of... Great analogy. You know, yeah. kind of um, looking at um, being the front runner. You've got people that are good at organization. You've got people that are troublemakers and kind of, you know, when you have you ever been in teams where people have gone, I don't really kind of agree with that. What about this and stuff like that? Some people look at them and think, what a pain in the butt, right? <laughs> but the truth is we need people like that yeah. because they're yeah, yeah. questioning us and getting us to and think. And this is, this is uh, it's good. that's a great way to pull it back to conflict. Conflict is important. Conflict is important, mm-hmm. yeah. So, and it's about that kind of work, working through the conflict. How we go, you know, go about working through these inevitable, yeah. inevitable conflicts that we have. Yeah. So, conflict, you know, part of every single day life. So, hopefully, what we're looking to do with Generations for Change is trying, in some way, some tiny, tiny way, to kind of contribute to this work around helping young people to deal with the conflicts that they have in their life, helping them to think about not choosing violence as an option. You know, and to think about peace as a possible option as well. That's 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 the contribution that we're hoping to make. Mm-hmm. And it is worth underlining that we, we can't do this on our own. You know, we've we've got this um, collaboration that we're speaking about right now with with the marchers, Landau, and Austria Town Council. But there's many other people that are in contact with us, and we're already in conversations with regards to um, reaching out. So we've got the cadets who are interested. We've got you know, people from Telford and things like this. But we want to take it slowly. So. I am not being naive, you know, with regards to the first project because it's a first project. We're going to use it as a learning opportunity to learn, to listen, you know, and and to hopefully kind of improve for the next project. So this project will be from from now until probably February, March, and then we'll look to do another project. Um, so if schools are interested in having a conversation, we'll be looking at um, the next project probably in March. 
Um, but we'll we'll obviously have to do the planning and funding and things like that beforehand. So please reach I'd, out. I'd love to uh, to bring some microphones. And uh, you know, if you've got an event going on, or you've got some sort of training or a presentation, even like you said, eight hundred people turning up to the one in, in Argentina, I'd love to be there with some microphones and speak to people because I think it's really important. Well, if, if okay, let me take you up on that offer then. Yeah. So, um, so if if you guys are interested, um, we're doing this future. Remember this futures week thing that we um, mm-hmm. spoke about. It's going to be the um, the last week of November. So I think it's like the first of um, is it the first, second, third, and fourth of um, December. December at the Marches School and I'm really interested because I, I would do mo- most of the facilitating people coming along and asking the young people to tell to talk in their own words you know not with Phil listening oh I'll say good things no no <laughs> tell us in your own words you know what is good for you and what's working for you that's great yeah um, and f- finally um, do you have a ready-made sort of uh, quick steps on how to deal with conflict so, I mean, some uh, quick little bits of advice. If someone's got a conflict in themselves, if they're dealing with um, a political issue that they just really riles them and how to deal with that, do you have any quick mm. bits of advice for people? A, I'm really loving these questions. These are great. <laughs> Put you on the spot. Yeah, Go. that is great. Um, okay, so here's one of the problems that I see with conflict or, or problems in general or programs is that people rush to the solution, right? So something happens and they think, oh! Okay, let's do this, you know, to, to make the situation Instantly better. Instantly change it. Yeah, let's, mm-hmm. okay, let's, no, no, we can't do this, let's change something, <laughs> right? So, so um, it's said that Einstein was asked a question, right? And he was asked um, a, a question to kind of solve the world or something like this, and he had one hour to, to solve the world, right? To think about um, how we would use that one hour solving this particular world problem. And you know what he said? I would spend 55 minutes defining the problem, and then five minutes defining the solution. Mm-hmm. So let me relate that to your question. The first important thing is to stop. Is to stop and think what's going on here. What's going? So if it's a conflict, let's 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 make it really really concrete. So if it's a conflict between two friends, yeah, mm-hmm. conflict happening. I don't know what the conflict is. We're back but in the pub. We're back in the pub. Back in the pub. <laughs> you know, conflict between two friends. And then what? So one thing to do is stop. And ask yourself, what's going on here? And in order to do that, you ask yourself, what's going on for me? What am I thinking? What am I feeling? Yeah. And then you might try, which is, of course, is the hardest thing to try and put yourself in the shoes of someone else. So then you might think, okay, so what's going on for my partner, my colleague, my friend? Yeah. I wonder what they're thinking. I wonder what they're feeling. Yeah. And then what you might do is say, okay, here's the conflict that I see. This is my perspective. I'm wondering what your perspective is about the situation. So in that way, you've said what you think and your partner, you know, has also said as well. And then you can listen to what they say and then you can go, okay, right. It seems as though there's kind of a difference here or there's some, here's the similarities to start off with some positives. So here's this, you know, the similarities you think this, and I think this as well. I think where we differ is in this thing here. Yeah. So they're both on the same page. And then you might go on to ask them, okay, so I wonder where do we want to go with this? What do we want? You know, so it might be like, okay, we're going to bring in my football team. Okay, we want to go and see Arsenal football team, right? But um, you're going to pay, you know, and then I'm not too happy with that paying, you know. So then we can kind of try and negotiate and say, well, how about if we kind of negotiate and like, you know, we pay half half or something like this. Yeah. So these are the things. So identify what's going on. 
let people say how they feel and what they think on both sides and then try and define a win-win situation. That's what you're looking for. It's not always possible, but try and find a win-win situation. I I once heard that a compromise is a solution where nobody's happy, but that isn't the case necessarily. Compromise solution where no one's happy. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I'll um, go away and have a think about Mm. that one. Yeah, I think that's Mm. quite a good one. A compromise where no one's happy. Depends on the situation, I guess. Uh, yeah, that word compromise in itself yeah. is quite a tricky one, isn't yeah. it, I think? So I don't know. It's a good, good point. Don't have the answer on it. And, and again, what I've said today, I'll say this. No one has the universal truth on anything. Yeah. You know, we're just here learning together. You know, so I'm sharing a perspective. I'm not saying it's the right perspective. I'm just sharing a perspective. What I want to hope and hopefully leave myself open to is that I'm humble to looking and learning from other people. So that's what I'm interested in. And I think in. that's what's important is the fact that you've still got lessons to learn. Yeah, and you're mm. admitting that, that's sure. Mm. Which I think humbling, everybody everybody needs to learn, take a page from, you know, that you know everybody's right, you know, always right about everything. You know? Well well that's the the, the the kind of the curse of knowledge is that, you know, where people have gone and done other things, they might come back and think, Oh, it should be like this here, but we're in a different you know, a different place. So this Very is why situational. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like context specific, right? So this is why I'm interested in, you know, should we be using that word peace in Shropshire seem as though it is brand new? Sure. Or should we be calling it something else? Or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the person I am is that I really love asking questions and listening to people to what they think. Uh, sometimes my wife kind of shouts at me and says, Phil, you know, stop asking everyone, <laughs> you know, loads of different questions, you know, but that's, that's how, how you I broaden am. your horizon, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, using the word peace in Shropshire is rewiring people to believe or to not to believe, should I say, that peace is all hippies and free yes. love because that is one of the biggest problem. I feel like when it comes to the older generation, I'm not saying the B word, um, but the older generation, it's all hippies and yeah. Yeah. It's not. It's about, it is about conflict and it's about listening to people's problems. Yeah. But, th- but that's, that's a valid point though. You know, when people say, you know, is it hippies? Um, and I can share with you now a little story. I won't say the person because I haven't spoke to them, but they, but they said um, when they were asking me about, uh, about the... Uh, about the organization, about the work we're doing. They said, just let me just check this with you. Is it kind of like hippies or is it kind of religious? You know, and I, I said, far from religious and far from a hippie, you know, but it's a really good point that you brought up. And I'm curious why you're thinking that, you mm. know. And then she said, because of that, I said, yeah, that is the truth. Because we think of kind of things out there we don't understand, you know. But although it's been recognized now by the United Nations, it's been recognized. I can tell you now as well that the the youth sector, the Council of Europe youth sector, which is the people that look after all of the youth work across across Europe or inform the youth work, they've got as two of their three priorities for the next two years. One is inclusive and peaceful societies. So they recognize that, listen, youth work really needs to change what they're doing and engage young people in inclusive and peaceful societies. Mm-hmm. So it's not just me coming in and saying, look, I think we should look at this. It's been recognized, you know, right at the UN global level and now right at the, the kind of, you know, the European level. Fantastic. Have you got any more questions? Well, uh, we could go for a long time. I, I could think. speak to you for hours. But I, but I will just quickly say there's uh, more and more children, it seems, being brought up in hostile environments as a result of, I don't know, whatever it is happening in the world, whether it's corona or whatever else. <sighs> Yeah, well, on that, think about the situation that we're in right now. Mm. You know, when this comes out, we've got COVID, right? So what happens is that sometimes the house is the most dangerous place for people to be in. 
There's no respite. Even and there's no though. respite, Absolutely. right? So, so with Dean Harris and others, they're doing all the great work around, um, you know, domestic violence. That is another issue to look at. Yeah. You know, yeah. how's that going to change? How do we? So, so it's not just about focusing on the young people. It's about the the, the parents. You know, the 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 uh, professionals that are working with the young people. How mm. do we train them? Yeah, you know, to to respond to conflict better and to that's sub, a great you know. road, isn't it? So that that that's something we're in. That I'm I'm particularly interested in. Yeah. We're interested in generational change. So if, thank you. We're it's a collaborative effort. We're at the start. We're here to learn and we're here to listen. You know, so that's that's the process that we're in. I'm going to cheat here and say I'd love to speak to you more. Uh, so I'd like to offer you an invite to to USOC to come on my other show. There we go. I can speak to you even longer because uh, I feel like you're right, Max. We could sit here for two hours yeah. <laughs> and speak to you about this. Uh, you've been a fantastic. I feel so honoured to have spoken to you. Really, genuinely. I really do. Yeah. yeah. Summed it up nicely. Yeah, and I, I want to say thank you on behalf of Shropshire, and not just Shropshire, the UK, because I feel like this is what I said when I when I talked about uh, bringing you on the show was okay. He's not from Shrewsbury, but whatever you're doing is important to the, the county, and uh, so thank you. Thank you. Can I just do a shout out to both you two as well? Because this is really important to get ideas out there. And what you're doing is really important for getting ideas out there, you you. know, for being innovative, for talking about things that are not always spoke about, you know, so for you in itself, you to yourself showing great leadership by, you know, by inviting me. So I want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. And also a a shout out Dean, Dean Harris for, for, um, you know, for connecting us. What a wonderful connector. And, uh, you know, hopefully the start of a a conversation, a collaboration, et cetera, with, with you also. Thank you. That was beautiful. Thank you so much for that. That was really mm, thank nice. You. Um, would you like to tell people where they can find you? Uh, the, the websites, uh, how they can, how and how they can help. Yes. So generations for change. We're in the process of setting up a website. Um, uh, so the, I think the best thing to do is you could find me on Facebook if you put in. I've got two. So one is Dr. Phil Gittings, and the other one is Phil Gittings on Facebook. Um, you can email me as I've explained before. So Phil P H I double L G two thousand seven at hotmail uk. We're in the process of setting up email addresses. Um, I think that you could find me on LinkedIn as well, um, Phil Gittings. So, um, yeah, that would be the place. So please, please write to us. We're very interested in having conversations about, um, you know, trying to make this work available to more people across Shropshire. So look forward to hearing from you. And I will introduce you to Simon Bell as well. I think you guys have great conversations. Um, Thank you so much for coming Keep up on. the good work. Yeah. It's not just good work, it's incredible work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we've got a website too, haven't we, Max? Yes, we have. <laughs> we do have a website. Oh, yes. There. I'd like to encourage our listeners to go and take a look there, um, which we're at www.theshrewsburybiscuitpodcast.co.uk. Uh, you can access all of our audio. My, does my mic sound weird to you? Mm, no, but it does sound like you've said that before. <laughs> it's, it's, I sound very robotic. Check out our website. Our audio is available there. Um, if you don't want to go to Spotify or iTunes or Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts from and our website is made by our friends at web orchard they are amazing at what they do uh, so if you need a website check out web orchard they're, they're brilliant and uh, this episode was recorded at the parade shopping center in shrewsbury uh, phil never been here before today before today um it's it's, a, it's an amazing place to find there are so many amazing little shops across here you can find anything from from japanese food to a place to go and paint pottery to go and get your eyelashes extended you want some alex eyelash uh-huh. extensions we got you covered baby go. um and a great coffee shop there at the riverview there with uh, one of the most spectacular views of shrewsbury you're going to see whilst you're sitting there. I think you walked in, didn't you, Phil? Wow, I did not yeah. know this was here. Yeah. Yeah. What a place. Make sure you check it out. It's really cool. Max, thank you so much. Thanks for having me once again, Al. Phil, you've been great. 
Guys, we will catch you next time. This has been amazing. I really love this. Peace out. (laughs) 